Now, I don't believe that God brought you here in this season of your life just for you to hear about other people's answers to prayer because God is answering them. I believe he brought you here because he wants to do something in your life. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants, he wants you to experience the miracles that he wants to do in you and through you. When Jesus was doing ministry on this earth, he chose what I would call 12 interns to follow him around. And they did so for three and a half years. And they, they saw Jesus do all kinds of miracles in his life. He healed people. He calmed storms. He fed 5,000 people for lunch. He raised people from the dead. They saw all of these miracles and more, by the way. Truly, Jesus was an amazing miracle worker because obviously he was God in the flesh. And one day, these disciples, having seen all that Jesus had done in his life, in his ministry up to that point, came up to him to ask him a question. And this question that they asked him wasn't about his teaching, though he, has, he was a great teacher. And it wasn't about his preaching because, man, he really brought in the crowds. And it wasn't about his healing. Instead, the one question that they asked Jesus was about prayer. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Why? Why, of all the things that they could have come and talked with Jesus about, hey, Jesus, teach us how to, how to draw a crowd. Jesus, teach us how to, how, to, how to teach, to really create depth in people's lives. Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. Why did they ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray? It's because they realized that the secret to Jesus' power was prayer. It was prayer that accomplished the great crowds. It was prayer that brought in-depth teaching. It was prayer that brought healing. It was prayer that was moving this ministry of Jesus. And so they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, if you can just teach us how to pray, we'll have that power too. Now you've heard me say this before. Much prayer, much power. I think you and I, if we're wanting to see breakthroughs, if we're wanting to see, so to speak, the impossible happen, I think you and I need to come to Jesus. And we need to say, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Now, I really believe if we are honest with ourselves, we are not confident when it comes to prayers. In fact, we're a little confused about it. I hear people all the time say, you know what? I don't know what to say when I talk to God. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how long to say it. I don't know what words to use. I just don't get prayer, Pastor George, and I wanna be really honest with you. I don't enjoy it. Well, what I want to do this morning is just to take the worry out of prayer for you. And I want you to be able to leave here today thinking, you know what, I'm confident that I know the how, the what, the when, the where of prayer. In Luke chapter 11, these disciples came to Jesus. And here's their question. Lord, teach us to pray. 
Then Jesus said, when you pray, begin by saying, our Father in heaven. And in the rest of Luke 11 is the Lord's Prayer, which we're all familiar with. Now, what you may not realize in this first statement of the Lord's Prayer is that up to this time in history, nobody had called God Father. They'd called him a lot of other different names, but no one at this point in time had called God Father. And yet Jesus, in beginning to instruct his disciples about prayer, said, I'm here to tell you right up front that you need to call him Father. Folks, when you and I begin to grasp hold of that idea, it is going to change your life. You're going to be able to pray with more confidence. You're not going to be insecure when you usher yourself into the presence of God to talk to him. Because what he's saying here is that prayer isn't about words. And think about this. These disciples that came to Jesus, they're a bunch of ragtag followers. I mean, they're mostly fishermen, right? Uh, they weren't eloquent people. They, they weren't great orators. He, and Jesus knew that. And he was kind of debunking this myth. It's not about the words that you use. You don't have to be eloquent. And people that don't speak a lot oftentimes aren't. And so Jesus starts off and he says, it's not about words, but rather it is about a relationship. A very special kind of relationship. It is like a father and a child. It's to be intimate. It's to be loving. It's to be casual. It's to be without barriers. You see, a little child that wants to talk to their dad, maybe dad's in the office. When, when, when they walk towards the office, they don't stop and think, okay, how do I say this? No. A little child just walks into the dad's office, wherever dad is at, and, he, and they use the best language that they have at that particular time in their life. And so what Jesus is saying here is that it's not about words. It is about a relationship. And when you start this prayer, understand that that's what this is about. Start out with our Father. And as we do, as you and I get that in our minds, all of a sudden our confidence in prayer is going to rise because we understand it's not about the words. It's the relational idea that, that he is promoting here. Now, what does this mean? It means this, that God is not a force. May the force be with you. It's not a force, and he's not some theological term, and it's not some philosophical term, and it's not some psychological term. The unmover, or the unmoved mover, the, uh, the unfeeling power, okay? No, he's saying you've got to have the right relational idea in your mind, because if you do, that it's about a father-child relationship, you're going to be confident. You must use the name that God has chosen, our Father. And God has chosen Father. Now think about this. You have the right, do you not, to be called anything that you want to be called. 
Let's just say your name is Lori. You don't like it when you're called Laura or Lauren or Lorna or Lorita, okay? Why? Because it's not your name. You get to choose the name that you want to be called by. God says this, I want you to call me Father. Not mother. I'm not your mother. I'm your father. Now we know that God has both male and female qualities. That's the reason that we have male and females on earth. And we both have been made into God's image. One image isn't any better at communicating who God is than the other. Honestly, it takes both to reflect the character and the qualities of who God is. Both are needed. That's why in the Bible it says, women need men. In spite of what our culture might say, women need men and men need women. Together, they both project what God is like. And to be honest with you, God isn't male or female, okay? The Bible says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But God comes along and he says, I want to be called Father. In fact, in this text, Jesus even goes deeper than the word Father because he chooses an Aramaic term. And that term is Abba. It is a word that stands for Papa, for Daddy. It is a term of endearment. It is a term of love. And Jesus is saying, when you begin to talk to God, you got to realize that I am not some CEO in the sky looking down and judging every word that you are saying like a lawyer might do. No, I'm your papa. I'm your daddy. Now, I know this may be a challenge for some of us because of the dad that you had while you were growing up. Truly, your father may have been distant or may have been demanding or may have been a demoralizing person. And as a result, you do not have a healthy concept of what a dad or a father is to be. You think, you know what, if God's like my father, forget it, Jackson, I am out of here. But there is a difference. God is your heavenly father who is unlike any father on earth. There are good fathers. Honestly, I had a pretty good dad, okay? And my hope is that you had a good dad. But every dad, including myself, is flawed. We have flops, failures, and fumbles. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. But your heavenly father is absolutely perfect. Your heavenly father is absolutely perfect consistent. He never wakes, he never changes. He never wakes up on the wrong side of bed like maybe some of us did after losing one hour of sleep, okay? He never wakes up with a bad hair day. He doesn't wake up glad one moment and then sad the next moment. No, your heavenly father is unlike any earthly father that you might know. He is absolutely consistent. He is absolutely Caring. 
My dad didn't always understand me, just like I didn't always understand my kids. But God knows you through and through. He knows you better than you know yourself. He is absolutely consistent and he absolutely cares about you. If you and I could just get our minds around just those two components, I tell you this, your confidence in talking to God about your breakthroughs, about the things that you're needing and wanting in your life and through your life is gonna boost, but it doesn't stop there. Our Heavenly Father is not only absolutely consistent and caring, but on top of that, he is absolutely close. And that is really important because for some of us, we grew up with what I call Disney dads. They only showed up occasionally to have some fun and then they were out of there after that. But your heavenly father is with you all the time. He is paying attention to you all the time. He knows every hair that is on your head and he has numbered them all. It's easier for some than others, but nevertheless, he knows them. He has felt every breath that you have breathed. He has heard every heartbeat that you have ever had. You and I have a heavenly father unlike any earthly father we may know. He is absolutely consistent and caring and close, but he is also a heavenly father who is capable. You see, when I was a child, I used to say, my dad can do anything. But as I grew up, I began to realize that my dad couldn't do everything. One of the reasons I love grandkids is because right now they believe that Cheryl and I can do anything. It's a great feeling that we can afford anything. I mean, we took them to Disney World, right? But they're going to grow up and realize only Cheryl can't do everything. <laughs> Folks, we have a father who is capable Nothing is impossible with God as your father. And I don't care what breakthrough you are looking for in your life, personally, in your marriage, with your kids, with your health, all things are possible with God because he is capable. He is absolutely consistent and close and caring and capable. And by the way, he's also absolutely competent. He knows what he is doing and he is committed to your success. Folks, this is the kind of father that we have. And when you begin to understand the kind of father that you and I have and the relationship that he desires to have with you, it's going to boost your confidence in talking to God. And with that, your hope quotient. Now, Jesus talked a lot about prayer. In fact, in the New Testament alone, prayer uh, is mentioned, I think, 40-some times, okay? But one of the big portions of Scripture about prayer... <clears throat> is in the Sermon on the Mount, not the 
Amount. We're not going to talk about money this morning, okay? The Sermon on the Mount. There are five verses that he talks about prayer. And in these five verses, we find five reasons why you and I can be confident in our prayers with God, no matter who you are. Did you get that? No matter who you are. You do not have to be a professional. You don't have to have a THM behind your name. You don't have to have a D-min behind your name. You don't have to have a PhD in theology behind your name. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been. You can pray with confidence. This, these five verses will change your life and will change your prayer life. In Matthew 7, in verse 7 through 12, Jesus starts off and he says this, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. These are promises. The words ask, seek, and knock are actually present participles, meaning keep asking or keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't do it just one time. You see, if I told you that behind a certain door, when it opens, there will be $1 billion for you, I can guarantee you this. You wouldn't go to that door and just knock once. You'd be pounding that door down, man. I want that $1 bucks. God is saying, if you will just keep asking, and if you'll just keep seeking, and if you'll just keep knocking, the door will be open to you. For anyone who asks, receives. That's a promise. And anyone who seeks, find. That's a promise. And anyone who, who knocks on the door, it'll be open to you. That is a promise. Then Jesus goes on and he says, 9 through 12, Which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then know, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now that last part, we know, we're familiar with that, are we not? That, that's the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Most people do not realize that Jesus mentions this in the context of prayer. How does that work in for confidence? We'll discover it. You see, a lot of times when we think of the Lord's Supper, that's okay. We're a family-friendly church. I love children. A lot of times when we think of the Lord's uh, the, the, the golden rule. We, we think that it only is, is in regards to our behavior. You know, I got to treat other people the way uh, you know, I want to be treated. And that's true. But contextually, it's about our love language with God. He's saying here, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. This sums up all the teaching. This sums up all the commands in the Bible. This sums up all the laws, all the things that the prophets have ever said. Treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. In this passage, he gives five 
reasons you don't have to worry when you talk to God. You don't have to worry about what you say, where you say it, how you say it, or how long you say it. You don't have to worry about it because if you do what Jesus said and we do it the way he did it, guess what? God will work. So will you write this down? Number one, God promises to answer if you keep asking. Keep on asking and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. For, every, for anyone who asks will receive and anyone who seeks will find. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, well, George, what's the difference between asking, seeking, and, and knocking? Well, in reality, there really isn't any difference. It's just three ways of saying the same thing. But in fact, if you take those three words and take the first letter of each word, ask, A, seek, S, and K, knock, it says ask. It's just saying the ask in three different ways. But what is interesting is that he is inferring proximity to our heavenly father. So will you write this down? When I am close to my father, I just ask. If I'm a little kid and my dad is in the family room and he's sitting in his lazy boy chair, I don't send him a letter. I mean, folks, that would be weird, right? No, I'm right there. He's right there. I just say, hey, dad, I, I need this. When you are close to your heavenly father, you just ask like a child would ask a dad in their presence. Hey, dad, can you do this for me? Now, sometimes... That isn't the case. Sometimes as a child, I walk into the family room where dad generally is, is sitting and he's not in his lazy boy. And so I go start looking for him. I, I go out in the backyard. Hey, dad, are you back here? I, I got something I need to ask you. He's not there. I go into the garage. Hey, dad, are you in here? I, 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 I got to ask you something. He's not there. I go into his office in the house. Hey, Dad, are you in here? I got something I need to ask you. He's not there. You realize he's at work. So you call him. You see, when I'm distant from God, sometimes I have to do a little bit more asking. And so will you write this down? When I'm not close to my father, I must seek. When I am distanced from God and he's not close, I have to seek him. Now, sometimes in my seeking, dad's not in his office or dad's not in his lazy boy at the house and I've sought him out throughout the whole house and he's at work. Sometimes I'll go to work and his door is closed. And so what do I have to do? I have to knock. So will you write this down? When a wall keeps me from seeing my father, I knock. When he's in the room, when I'm in the room with, with my father, I ask. When I don't know where my father is at, I seek. When there is a barrier between me and God, I knock. And so as little kids who want to talk to their dad, and he's not anywhere close to be found. He's not at home, and I've been looking for him. 
and I find him at work, and I go up to the door, do I stop there? No, I don't. What do I do? I knock. And when I knock, what does dad say? Who is it? Hey, it's me, dad. Come on in. There's no problems. There's no hassles. I just knock. So what is Jesus saying by this? Listen very carefully. No matter how close you are or how distant you may be from God, he still wants you to ask. Some of us feel like God is a billion miles away. Some of us feel that, that we're just not right with God and so we shouldn't be talking to God. And God says, no. I don't care whether you're close. I don't care whether you're far. I want you to ask. In fact, in the asking, what happens is that you and I get closer. And so God just says, ask. No matter if you're close or if you're far. You don't have to clean up your life. You don't have to get your act together. Just Ask, and you can ask for anything. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Well, Pastor George, that sounds like you can just ask for anything, and, and you'll get it. Oh, yes, you can ask for anything, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get what you're going to ask for. He will answer you, and next week we're going to take a look at that. There are four responses to any prayer that you and I pray. And there are four things that God is trying to do in your life as you begin a conversation with him. We'll talk about that next week. But he doesn't always say yes. But you can always ask because obviously there are some qualifications, are there not? There are things that God would want to teach us about prayer, which leads to the second point. Will you write this down? God will never give me anything that is unhelpful. Folks, this builds our confidence in talking to God about things that are going in our life and going on through our life. It, it, it builds confidence to know that God will not give you everything that you want. Just because you want everything doesn't mean that that, that thing is helpful for you. Take a look at Matthew 7, 9. If your child asked you for some bread to eat, would any of your fathers give them a stone instead? Of course not. No parent in their right mind would, would do something like that. And God won't do that either. Hey, mom, I'm hungry. Oh, here, son, have a stone. Hello. Hey, Cheryl, I'm hungry. She would never say, here, have some fried food. Go figure, okay? That's why I eat out a lot, okay? I never get fried food. I get naked chicken that's baked and has nothing on it, but uh, it's, it's healthy, okay? She always gives me helpful things, okay? That's a different message, okay? And if she's not in this room, this is a counseling session. You can't tell her what I just said. By the way, this is humor, okay? This is Hebrew humor through exaggeration. Jesus is trying to make, like, of course no parent would give their, their, their child a stone. And so what he's saying is that if you ask for something good, he's gonna give it to you. 
But the opposite is also true. If you ask for something good for you, he's not going to give anything bad to you. And obviously, if you ask for something bad, he's not going to give that either. Now, why? Why does our Heavenly Father do this? It's like the song we said, sung. We have a good father. We have a good father who is good all the time. And all the time, we have a good father. He knows what will fulfill you more than you know what will fulfill you. He knows what will, uh, what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. And so that he will never give you anything that is unhelpful. Now, why is this good news when it comes to you and I beginning conversations, talking to God through prayer? For this reason, you don't have to censor your words. You don't have to censor your words. A lot of times we feel incompetent. We feel unconfident in what to talk with God about. I don't know if I should ask him for this or not. God, I really want to marry this person. God, I really want this job. But God, I don't know if this person fits fits me. I just don't know if this is the right job for me. God comes along and says, guess what? You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what you're going to pray. You don't have to figure it out if that prayer is a good one or if it's not. I'll decide because I'm a good father. Dad, I'm four years old. I'd like to borrow the car keys. I want to go get some ice cream. No. God will figure a way out to get me the ice cream. God knows what you don't. So he says, don't worry whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Just ask. Let's start a conversation and I'll work it out. So God promises to answer. If we do what Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Secondly, God will never give you something that is unhelpful. Number three, will you write this down? God will never give me anything that could harm me. Now Jesus is taking this a little bit deeper. He's just not saying that he won't give you things that are unhelpful. He's also saying he won't give you anything that's harmful. Dad! Can I drink this bottle of Clorox? No. Never. Won't work? No. Take a look at this first, Matthew 7:10. Okay, if your child asks for some fish, would you put a snake on their plate? I love the message. I love the amplified here. But remember, this is humor. And it's humor by exaggeration. But what he is saying here is that there is a difference between a rock and a snake. A snake could be dangerous. It could be deadly. It could be destructive. Sometimes when we start talking to God about things, we might be actually asking for dangerous things, deadly things, destructive things. And God says, that's okay. You can talk about it. But just understand this. I'll sort it all out. 
Don't you worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll never allow anything to come into your life that you talk with me about that will hurt you. And that gives me confidence to come to my heavenly father. Let's just talk, okay? It helps me to know, should I pray for this or should I not pray for this? Is this the right thing to pray for? Is this not the right thing to pray for? God says, go ahead, let's talk. I'll figure it out. You can be confident. The fourth thing that Jesus says in these five verses is this. Will you write this down? God will only give me what's best for me. Now, obviously, this gives and boosts my confidence to talk with him. Take a verse 11. Now, since even you as sinful, imperfect parent know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your good and perfect father in heaven give only gifts that are good to those who ask him? Will you circle the phrase, only gifts that are good? Folks, this gives confidence. Why? To know that God is not a vending machine. We just plug in a pair, we just pull it out, and something falls out from it that's not good. I mean, think about this. A lot of stuff that's in vending machines is bad, right? Have you ever gotten a sandwich out of a vending machine? I mean, it doesn't even compare to fresh daily at the deli, okay? Have you ever bought a donut out of one of those things and read all the things that are in that donut, okay? My wife reminds me of that when I buy one and I really want one, you know. No, folks, aren't you and I glad that God is not a vending machine where you just plug in a prayer and you just pull the handle and out falls whatever is in there because there's a lot of bad things in vending machines. God's also not a genie in a bottle that you just rub the right way and you just throw out your wish or your prayer and bam, it happens. God is not a vending machine. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not your butler. He isn't there to serve you. You and I are there to serve him. Well then, Pastor George, why in the world should I even ask? Good question. It's because God is wanting to build certain hope in your life that he is a good, good father. So why should you and I be nervous about talking to God about anything? He has promised that if we keep asking and seeking and knocking, he'll answer He only gives us helpful things. He will not give us harmful things. He will give us the best things. Folks, this is where personal renewal starts. It starts relationally in our relationship with Jesus as we understand who he is. In this case, our Father. Now, have you noticed in these four points, none of them have to do with you. They all have to do with God, our Father. Why? Because prayer isn't so much about you and me. It's about God. And him helping us to discover 
who he's really like. And falling on his character. And we'll get to that after Easter. We have a good, good father who is a good father all of the time. Now there is one more nugget of truth in these five verses. And so will you write this down? God wants me to give to others what I want to get. This is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Like I said earlier, a lot of people think that this has to do just with our, our behavior. You know, we got to treat people this way, kindness, compassion, patience, uh, just like we would want to be treated with kindness, passion, and, and patience. But contextually, it's about our love language with God as we're talking with him. Take a look at Matthew 7, 12. It's the next verse. So in every situation, always do to others what you would want them to do to you. This sums up all the commands and teachings in the Bible. This has everything to do with prayer. Now, why do I say that? Well, let me set it up like this. Let me just ask you this. Has this ever happened to you where someone has come up to you and asked, will you pray for me? My guess is that's happened to you far more than you realize. And when you get asked, hey, will you pray for me? What happens? Your mind goes, sure. And you're thinking, what do I pray? What do I pray? What do I pray? What do I pray? You pray what you would want someone to pray for you if you were in that situation. Your spouse just walked out on you. And they say, hey, my spouse just walked out on me. Will you pray for me? What would you want to be prayed for? My guess is your heart's confused. It's broken. Trying to figure out what in the world's going on. You pray those things. You pray what you would want them to pray for you if you were in the same situation. Would you need stability? Would you need significance? Do you need security? Do you need stimulation? Sure, you probably need all those things, but then pray them. Do you need financial support? Pray it. Do, do you need a healthy body? Pray it. Do you need more time? Sure. Then you pray it. You pray the very things that other people need that you would want if you were in that situation. You see, what that does is that helps us just to relax because then we can know instantaneously what to talk, start talking to God about for others. Now, Jesus tacked on this golden rule at the end of prayer, I believe for this reason, to help you and I understand that prayer just isn't about my needs. That prayer isn't just for selfish reasons. What I want, what I need. You see, God comes along and he says, you know what? If you will take, if you will have a heart to take up the cause for other people, then I'll take up your cause. You remember several weeks ago when I taught us how to raise our hands to the Lord in prayer. And I said, there's the who and there's the what. The who, thumb closest to our hearts, our friends and family. Index finger, those who point the way, leaders and teachers. Our middle finger, those who are influencing the world. Maybe like a guy in 
Korea right now, okay? Uh, our, little, our ring finger is the weakest finger. We pray for those who are weak, who are sick, okay? And then the little one, the last one, is for who? For ourselves. There's a reason for that. God says, I want you to start out and work your way in. And if you will get your mind off yourself and you will begin to pray for people in your world and then begin to pray for people in your spiritual family, then I'll, I'll go to work on yours. Job 42, verse 10, write this down. It says this, that when Job prayed for his friends, God restored twice his fortunes. You know of Job's situation. It was uncontrollable. It was unknowable. It was an impossible situation. And yet when Job prayed for those out there, God says, you know what? I'll take up your cause. And he restored his fortunes. You were given a card when you came in to invite people to LifePoint Church for Easter. Natural time to do that. Everyone's thinking kind of church. When you and I use it, begin to pray who you want to invite to LifePoint Church. And start praying over their life. Start praying for their needs. Because I'm going to do a hope message at Easter that you won't want to miss. And we're going to continue with hope. It's going to resonate, I believe. And as I'm praying, that that's what's going to happen. But we've got to start with our community. God, change the heart of people I know in this community. I don't care who they are, where they come from, what they've done in their life. God, change their hearts and use me to invite them into an environment where they can, that's personal, practical, and positive, that they can come to know who you are, that their hope may be restored. And God, as I'm doing that, will you meet my needs too? And you see if God doesn't begin to make breakthroughs. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that we can come to you and we can call you dad. We can call you papa. We can call you father. That you want a relationship with us that is close, that is intimate. Where we can talk about anything and everything. Where there are no barriers. That we can do it constantly. As Paul said, we can pray without ceasing because of the relationship that we have with you. And this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know the struggles that are going on in your heart and in your world, but God does. And he wants to be a part of it. But that can only happen as you invite him in. Make him your father. And I want to encourage you to do that this morning. If God has just been some force distant out there to you, something that you've paid homage to because you were fearful of, maybe today is the day that you establish a relationship with him by saying, God, I admit I've made some mistakes and I've felt distant from you. 
But I believe you are who you said you are, that you are my father and that you love me. You love me so much that you sent your only son to die on the cross for my sins. And right now I'm saying yes to him. Come in. May we commune. May we talk with each other. May I know you. May I know your ways. If you prayed that prayer, I believe God heard you. Nothing would thrill my heart more than for you to tell me through your communication card. Pastor George, I've asked Christ into my life so I can send you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. God, you're good. You're a good father. And you're a good father all the time. May we be those who stand up, who stand up for who you are, who declare your goodness and your greatness, that as we do, that you would draw people to yourself, that that not only our hope would be restored, but that other people's hope would be restored as well. So God, we look to you to do these things. In your son's precious name, amen.